Welcome to the Medical Mnemonist Podcast, brought to you by Med School Coach. Each episode, take a journey into the top techniques for medical mnemonics, study skills, board exam tips, and accelerated learning in higher education. Now, here's your host, Chase DeMarco. Welcome back, and for those listeners that have been around for a while, you will know that occasionally we do deal with topics that are not necessarily study-related. They deal with other aspects of medicine, especially for medical students, and sometimes they go into the topics of, well, our safety. And that's kind of what I want to talk to you about today. Now, we did do an episode not all that long ago, a few months ago, about depression and anxiety for medical students in particular, and we do have an increased rate as compared to the general public, medical students and medical doctors. So we know now, at least from those correlations, that this doesn't begin when you become a physician. It begins much sooner. And I think that's why it's something that we really should start covering more often in our general conversations with each other, with our preceptors, with our school admins, and that's something we're going to cover again today. So I was just in a healthcare professional clubhouse, and if you don't have the clubhouse app yet, it is actually very addicting. It's a great app to actually connect with people. Right now, it's only available for iOS, so those iPhone users and iPad users can utilize this app. Unfortunately, not for Android quite yet. I'm sure it'll be out soon. But there are many, many physician groups out there and other useful groups that you might want to contemplate joining. Because if nothing else, even if you don't get brought to the stage, quote unquote, you can listen into conversations from many professionals, many experts on whatever topic they're discussing. So I decided to join one today about, well, suicide, depression, and anxiety. It's something that you will probably know I've had issues with in the past, and it's not uncommon. Many physicians I know, many fellow colleagues and friends have had these issues as well, and it's not something to stigmatize. It's actually higher in our population anyway, so stigmatizing it doesn't help anyone anyway. So I'm going to do my best to narrate a couple of the key points that I got from this clubhouse earlier. And first, I want to start with some of the neuroscience. We're not going to go into great detail here. Basically, the amygdala or the fear response center in your brain can be a strong correlation to these types of mental health issues. And it makes sense because it's our fear response. It's our fight or flight response, you know, minus the adrenal glands. But the neurohormonal differences, such as in dopamine in particular, can really shape how we view the same event that someone else views. It's not uncommon for two different people to see the exact same event or same situation and have vastly different responses to that. And we see this all the time in politics, unfortunately, but it happens in many other situations too. And we really should be aware of this so we know that when it happens to us, in a negative aspect anyway, that it's not abnormal, that there's nothing wrong with us for thinking this way. Now, personally, I've had many, many friends and acquaintances that have committed suicide or that self-harm. And in fact, I was talking to a friend the other day that's a counselor, and she had multiple suicides on her service in the same day. 
Now, granted, this has been really amplified by COVID, by the pandemic, by our social isolation. And knowing that also means we know a little bit more about how to combat this. So two of the topics that I found extremely interesting earlier were those of chronic stress and the recency bias. Now, I particularly had to stir up the chat room a little bit by asking why students and physicians have a higher suicide and depression and anxiety rate than the general public. And one of the answers given to me, which was also by a physician psychiatrist, was the recency bias. And this is an interesting view that I've not heard before. But the fact that we're constantly under stress, we constantly have to study more, do more, achieve more, and sometimes we can't see the end of the tunnel because it's many years ahead of us, that forms a recency bias. We now think that whatever is happening now is going to last forever. And that negative thought, not that the recency bias is necessarily negative, but that we think that this is not going to end, that it's going to continue forever, can lead to very dark thoughts. It's basically not being able to see the end of the tunnel not being able to see the light, not being able to see the end. We just need a little confirmation that what we're working for, what we're doing now, what we're sacrificing to be physicians is actually going to pay off in the end in some way or another. And what they said, the second point of this was the chronic stress that that leads to. If you constantly think that things are going to be as they are now, which definitely are very stressful in medical school and in residency as well, this doesn't go away for multiple years, and the average person probably can't deal with that very well. It would actually be interesting to see a study if the average person, the general public, had to deal with this amount of stress for this amount of time, what the numbers might show. Maybe we are actually a little bit better at handling it than we give ourselves credit for. But we have this constant stress, this constant need for achievement, for approval, for all sorts of different benefits. Because in the end, we're still just human. We still have the same brains. We still have the same reactions to things. We still have the same socialization, at least within certain cultures within the same country. And we don't deal with these types of chronic stress issues very well. So we do need to be careful about this. We need to be self-conscious and not have negative views of ourselves if these instances happen, if we start suffering from depression or anxiety or anything else. But, you know, there are some things that we can do to make it a little easier to handle. Now, the first one I always hear about, and this is not just for medicine, in general, if you listen to any entrepreneurial podcast or their stories, read their books, you will notice that everyone that has been very, very successful has had many, many hurdles to overcome. But the thing that separated the successes from the failures is generally social networks. That social support can provide so much more benefit than we really realize. And it's unfortunate that in medicine, we tend to think of ourselves as very independent. We're often afraid to ask for advice or assistance, and this is not beneficial. You read any of the burnout literature these days, especially those directed towards medicine in general, the social networks play a huge part in how you're going to overcome it, how you're going to deal with it when it's happening. For most of us, 
it's inevitable that it's going to happen. So get that through your head now. Don't think that it's bad when it happens. It's normal. And contradictory to this fact, many of us tend to negate our social connections, our social networks, when we are in medical school and afterwards too. We're too busy. We're too distracted by the other events happening currently, and we tend to let our friendships and our family relationships kind of go on the wayside. And you can't do this if you want to survive. But besides social networks, there are a lot of other treatment options out there. And yes, we discussed many of these in the past depression and anxiety episode, so please go back and check that for full reference. But despite what country you're in, if you just Google suicide hotline in your country, you're going to find some valuable resources there and some free resources. And it's also very important to find a therapist in these instances. Yes, physicians and med students don't want to seek that professional help, but sometimes friends and family just don't cut it. It's not enough. It's helpful. But we might need someone with a little more insight and a little less personal bias towards our feelings. So I strongly recommend anyone that might be suffering from this now or in the future do seek out a psychiatrist, a therapist, someone that is not part of your social network, your close friends and family, to discuss these issues with. Plus, they are also the ones that might be able to prescribe medications if that's the route that needs to be taken, and also not something to be ashamed of. You would be surprised how many physicians are currently on different medications. Having these things to assist you is not a bad thing. It doesn't make you weak. It doesn't make you worse than your fellow students. It doesn't make you less competitive. It's not something that we need to think negatively of. And this goes for your patients as well. Sometimes patients report having a negative stigma put upon them when they have a psychological diagnosis. But in actuality, we're not that different. We just seem to seek help a little bit less often than most of them. But even if you're maybe afraid or just cautious about doing so, you don't want a negative label on your record, especially for fear that it might interact with your future occupational desires. There are other ways to approach this as well. Now, I know sometimes when you hear the term self-compassion, you might think, hmm, that's woo-woo. You know, it's not science-based. It's out there. It's hippie. It's whatever negative connotation you want to associate with it. But that's not really true. There is substantial evidence on different self-care techniques that can have a great impact on us in a positive manner. And I know we've discussed this in previous episodes, but things like meditation, journaling, exercise, yoga, these types of physical and mental activities can really help us shape the way we view and interact with our environment. Empathy training as well can actually provide benefit not just to your patients in the future, but to yourself, and it can decrease some of these potential negative consequences, the anxiety, the depression, whatever else is ailing you at the time. And I thought it was interesting that a lot of the psychiatrists and psychologists that were on this clubhouse earlier brought up similar theories to attachment theory. And this is basically the theory that there are things that have happened to us in the past, and those things shape how we 
view events now, how we interact with them, and our responses to them, our psychological responses, our neurohormonal responses to these events. And I think just knowing more about these psychological theories, such as attachment theory, can go a long way. It's the same concept that we really promote in this show, is the more you know about learning theory, the better you're going to be able to adjust your learning and do so in a very effective manner. So potentially, by learning more about attachment theory and starting to investigate our past traumas, whether we acknowledge them now or not, might influence the way we view future events, the way we shape certain scenarios, and have a very different influence on future events. And if you're unsure at this point, if you want to actually investigate in some of these, understand that the mental component of these traumas are long-lasting. And we still don't know what the events are going to be after the pandemic, but the aspect of personal trauma that we've all sustained to some degree or another is something that is probably going to last for multiple years. And in fact, some studies are suggesting that the traumas that we've sustained, the social isolation, might last maybe five or seven years from now. So it's not just about the immediate effect, but the long-term effect too. Take care of yourself. And I want you to consider this for yourself, for your friends and family, for your patients, whether that's current or future patients. These are things that we're all going through as a society, as a nation, as a globe. <laughs> we need to be aware of these potential consequences of the pandemic, of stress, of mental health in general, because it's not something that we necessarily get a lot of training about. So take it upon yourself to learn, to be better, to do better, and to help yourself and your patients. All right, that's enough of the depression talk. I do want to leave this on a positive note. And first off, congratulations to everyone that has matched or is about to match. It is a great endeavor. You've made it very far. I really appreciate the hard work you've put into this and really hope that you are going to be some of the best physicians in the world. I also want to invite anyone that is currently on Clubhouse or about to join the app. We actually started a few meetups. So we have the MedEd Meetup and the Future of Medical Education Club. So please do join and follow those. You can do so by hitting the little greenhouse on the top when you're in the club, but also investigate some of the other resources out there. You can join some of the psych clubhouses and gain a lot of useful information from multiple experts at the same time. Where else can you do that? If you talk to a therapist, you get a one-on-one, -on -one, they may or may not necessarily understand exactly what you're going through. Some therapists will, some won't. But if you can join a room that has a similar interest as you, and you can talk to a dozen different professionals at the same time, there's really no better resource out there. So we definitely hope to be that for medical education, because currently there's nothing on Clubhouse for medical education, and it's very important. But I want you to find your space, find your comfort level, find networks, build networks. If you have iOS on any of your devices, go right now, download the Clubhouse app, select your preferences, select medicine, select education, find something useful to you. And if you don't, still not a problem. You can always join our Facebook group, the Medical Nemesis Mastermind, 
or feel free to hit me up on social media or email medicalanemonist at gmail.com. I do hope to see some of you on the platform and hear from some of you soon. If you haven't yet, please do subscribe to the show. We have a lot of great content coming forward in the next couple of weeks, and I will see you next week. The Medical Mnemonist Podcast is powered by Med School Coach. To access Med School Coach services, including USMLE tutoring and residency admissions advising, visit our website at medschoolcoach.com. Good luck as you prepare for your board exams, and we hope you tune in again next time.